Good morning, Mountain Park. How are we doing? Awesome. What a great time of worship together. My name is Duane. I serve as the adult ministry pastor here. And I'll welcome you. Those of you sitting down here, those of you up in the balcony, welcome to you up there as well. And uh, those of you watching online, so glad that you are here with us this morning as well. And we want to just encourage you, if you are watching online, to let us know that you're there. Engage with us. Use that chat feature. And uh, if you have prayer requests, we have folks standing by to assist you as well. But we're so excited that you are here with us as well. Well, today we are in a series, as you may know, called Attention, and we're in the second week of that series. The last week, Pastor Allen talked about uh, giving worth or giving value uh, to God in worship, and uh, I hope that uh, you were uh, part of that last week. If you, if you didn't, if you weren't here, maybe you tuned in, uh, but he shared with us from Psalm 23, that amazing uh, Psalm of David, and uh, I hope um, that you took some time this past week to, to engage in that, to, to if, whether you're here, whether you're online, I hope you took some time to engage in giving God worth and giving God value as, as we talk about the importance uh, of being a worshiper. And today, um, we're going to talk about the importance of noticing God and, and why that's important. And uh, we all know what it, what it means to notice something, right? Of course we do. Uh, you know, we, we, we notice things. I remember the first time I, I noticed my wife, the first time that I saw her. It was a good day when I noticed her. Absolutely. Or, um, you know, uh, we, we, all, we all know what it means to notice something. You see something maybe you haven't seen before or something gets revealed to you that you, you didn't know about. Um, and all of a sudden you're like, oh, I, ne- I never knew that before. And so there's a lot of, uh, a lot of different things that we notice. I want to share a few examples, uh, just some fun examples from life. And, and maybe you can relate to these. Maybe you can't, but hopefully you can. Like, for example, have you ever noticed that uh, if, you, if you've been given a job to do, that how long it takes to do that job, if you ever notice, is dependent on what the deadline is for that job. If somebody says, hey, you got a week to do this, it takes, takes you a week. If they say, I need this by tomorrow, miraculously, we figure out how to get it done uh, by tomorrow. Or have you ever noticed, have you ever, have you ever been in a grocery store? I know you have, but if, in the grocery store, have you ever noticed that uh, when you get into the checkout line, whichever checkout line you get in, now I'm going to go in this one, now I'm going to go back over here. Whichever one you're in, the other ones move faster. Have you ever noticed that? Happens all the time. Or um, have you ever noticed, it's one from nature, have you, ever, have you ever noticed a flock of geese, you know, flying over in a V formation? Have you ever noticed that one side of that V is always longer than the other side of that V? I've noticed that, and, and, I, and I actually found out why, because there's, there's more geese on that side is, is what it comes down to. Um, took me a while. Or how about this one here? I know we've all dealt with this. Have you ever noticed when you have a cold that your nose takes turns on which side is clogged and which side isn't? Have you noticed that? It's like this one's clogged. It's like, oh, I can finally breathe out of this one. And then this one's clogged up. And it kind of goes back and forth. You know what I call that? I call that a cold war. <laughs> Come on. Oh, that's a good one. That's funny right there. Anyway, there's lots of things that we, 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 we notice in life. Sometimes there are things that are hidden in plain sight that maybe are right in front of us, but we didn't see them before. And all of a sudden, somebody points it out, or all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I didn't notice that before. Let me give you a few examples. Uh, I got a picture of a, a logo I know you're all familiar with, FedEx. We've all seen FedEx. The trucks go by. If you, I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but, but cleverly hidden within the logo of FedEx is this, this arrow, which signifies, I guess, that they, they move things, uh, which is... It's kind of a neat thing. How many of you like ice cream? Everybody like. You guys at home like ice cream? You're probably having some right now, I know. Um, Baskin Robbins. 
We all love Baskin Robbins. They're famous for what? They're 31 flavors. Have you ever noticed that hidden within their logo is the number 31? It's like, oh, I didn't know that. It's right in front of me the whole time. Uh, maybe, you, maybe you did see that. Or here's one maybe that you're not as familiar with. Uh, if you're a cyclist, uh, you've probably heard of the Tour de France. This is their official logo. Uh, I think it's the biggest cycle race in the world. But it's a, it's a cool logo. But if you look at it closely, hidden within that logo is, is a guy riding a bicycle. It's kind of a neat thing. But it's just one of those things in life that maybe you saw and you, did, you didn't notice it. Or here's one. Here's a picture of a couple of ducks. Okay, one more here. Picture of a couple of ducks. You see the ducks there? You're like, oh, that's, that's cool. Why is he showing us a picture of a couple ducks? Well, if you look at it long enough, you might notice that they're not ducks at all. How many of you see rabbits in that picture? Oh, yeah. I think it's a right brain, left brain thing. But um, if, if you look at it differently, you'll see that, oh, it's, it's rabbits. I never noticed that before. Here's the point. Once we notice something, once we, once we realize something, we became aware of something, it's, it's in our minds, right? It becomes part of us. Once I see the rabbit in that last picture, I will always see the rabbit in that, in that last picture. Um, and so taking notice of something kind of draws our attention in it. it. It takes us in that direction. It brings us close, and it focuses us. Friends, when it comes to being a worshiper of God, when it comes to, to giving God our attention, it's important um, in our worship that we take notice of who he is, of what he has done, and what he continues to do. Now, I, I'm not talking about corporate worship. I do believe corporate worship is important. I think it's great that we come together, that whether we're watching online, whether we're here in the room, I think it's, 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 there's definitely importance in coming together and praising God together when we're physically together or whether we're watching online together. But today, I want to focus in on a different aspect of worship. I want to talk about interpersonal worship. And, and this is the type of worship that's very easy to ignore in our lives, but should be an active part of our lives, and that's what I want to uh, spend some time with this morning. So today I have one simple big idea that I want you to walk away with. If you don't hear anything else I say, if you've already tuned it out, or maybe time to wake up back up, here's what I want you to walk away with this morning. Simple. When we truly notice God, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and worship. When we truly notice Him, friends, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and with worship. If you got your Bible this morning, whether you got uh, pages that turn or where you have a screen that scrolls, I'd like you to take it out and turn to Psalm chapter 8. And uh, we're going to go through this psalm today. And this is a psalm that's, that's written by David. And uh, as you may know, David was a king in Israel and uh, he grew up as a shepherd. And so he spent a lot of time thinking about and reflecting on God in his life. And uh, he wrote many of the amazing psalms that we have in, in our Bibles, and we're going to study one of them uh, today. And Psalm 8 is what I like to call uh, a sandwich psalm. And I call it that because it ends exactly as it begins. And uh, there's a reason for that. We'll get to that a little bit later. But what David is doing in these nine verses is he's making it very clear to all of us that he notices and he worships the wonder and the greatness of God. And it's a, it's a tremendous example to us. And, and understand this, nothing in this psalm this morning, I want you to realize this psalm does not ask us to, to, to do anything. This psalm doesn't give us any commands. It doesn't give us any instructions. It's simply about inner adoration and worship. 
And that's what we're going to look at this morning. So let's pray together and ask God to just uh, teach, us, teach us all this morning. Lord Jesus, thank you again for this opportunity. We thank you for the opportunity we had to sing praise to you, Lord, and to give you the, the worship that you deserve. Father, help us right now. We just pray that your spirit fills this place, fills our hearts and our minds. Teach us something today, Lord, from your word and your name. Amen. Well, let's dig in together. Psalm chapter 8, verse 1. Let's start here. He says this. He says, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory in the heavens. All right, let me pause here for just a second because there's so much here. Um, we, we can read that first verse and we can say, what's it, summarize that verse, and you would probably say something to the effect of, you know, God is, God is majestic, and, and you'd be right. But let me tell you, there's so much more in, in this verse. In, in, in fact, the first three words David uses could be a sermon in and of themselves. But he begins, he begins this verse with this phrase, Lord, our Lord. Now, let me, let me just attempt to show you what David's doing here. Because what David is doing here, what he's proclaiming is a, is a posture of worship that I believe um, few people understand. And, and if I'm honest, for a long time in my life, I, I was one of them. And so um, as you look at that, in our language, language, it says, Lord, our Lord. But you might notice that the first Lord is different from the second Lord. The first Lord is in all caps. And whenever we see the word Lord in the Old Testament, in all capital letters, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. All right? I like that word. Say that with me, would you? Yahweh. Those of you at home, Yahweh. I could hear him. I could hear him. Could you hear him? I could hear him. But anyway, it's the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's the, it's the word for the creator God, the covenant God, the God above all gods. Yahweh. There's no greater name for God. And so David begins right there with that. And then the second use of the word Lord, you notice, just has a capital L. And it's the Hebrew word Adonai, which means master. And so what's implied here in these first three words is that, is that God, the creator God, is also that we as a worshiper, as a worshiper, we have a role as a servant because he is our master. It says, oh God and master, how majestic is your name in all the earth. David is saying, you're not only the creator God, you're also the God that we serve. You are our master. And so David makes it clear right away that he's not just declaring worship to some local God, but to the Lord, our Lord. It's so much bigger than that. He says, you have set your glories in the heavens. And what David has done in this verse is he has made a declaration to God saying, I notice you, God. He's taken notice. And when we truly notice God, friends, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and with worship. Well, David goes on here and he, and he says in verse 2, we'll read this together. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. David does a pretty sharp contrast here because he goes from declaring God's majesty to declaring how dependent we are, you and I are, on God for everything in our lives. Um, and let me try to explain this. What, how, let me ask a question this morning. How, how many of you here have ever held a baby? Come on. We've all held a baby, right? Of course we have, right? And we all know what it's like to hold that little precious baby, right? And, and how, how precious it is and how small and how vulnerable and smelly sometimes that this little thing is, right? And we get that. And we also realize as we're holding this baby, this baby 
can't do much, right? It, it can't talk. It, it can't feed itself. It, it can't raise its head up. It, it can't walk anywhere. It's 100% it's dependent on its parents or someone to care for it. And, and even though that's the case, even though we know how vulnerable this baby is, we, we would give our lives for this baby, right? David's point here in this verse is that God, in all of his majesty, in all of his wonder, uses weaknesses, uses our inadequacies, friends, to overcome strength. God can use the weakness of an infant to overcome the might of an army. You see, God's glory is most visible, not not in our cunning, not in our strength, not when we think we're at our best, but God's glory is most visible, often in our weaknesses and in our dependence on him. I'm reminded of what the Apostle Paul says about this. In 1 Corinthians one twenty-seven. He, he kind of speaks to this. He says, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He chose the weak things of this world to shame the strong. Friends, understand that you and I, we're never defined by what we can't do, but we're defined by what God can do. On our own, we are weak, but in Christ, we are unstoppable, and we need to live that way. David makes it clear here that God is great not just because there's nothing too big for him, but because there's nothing that's too small for him. Have you ever noticed, have you ever uh, been made aware of, have you ever considered that maybe that weakness, maybe that thing that, that you're going through might be used by God as a strength for his glory, for his worship? Think about that. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold. Friends, when we truly notice God, we can't help but be struck with wonder and with worship. Well, David continues on in these next couple of verses in this psalm, in verse 3 and 4, and he, and he asks a question, and it's a question, believe me. He says, when I consider your heavens, the, the works of your hands, the works of your fingers, the moon, the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? This is an incredibly humbling question to ask God. If you think about it, this is, the, this is the who am I question that man always asks or often asks. I mean, if you think about it logically, why would God want to love us? Logically, it doesn't make any sense. God had every right to leave you and I in our sins. Every right. But instead, he chose to set his love on us and make us his own. And the fact that God does care about us should, should, should launch us into praise and into worship of him. You know, David, as I mentioned earlier, was a, a shepherd growing up. And as a shepherd, that means he spent a lot of nights laying out in the field under the stars, playing his harp, writing music. And we know this to be true because the Bible's filled with many of the songs that he wrote. We're studying one of them, one of them today. But, but as he was doing that, his, I believe that David's knowledge of God was much broader um, than just what he might have been told at, at a church of his day or, or by reading the scroll. You see, I think David had come to understand the vastness of who God is and the size and the scope of who God is. And it changed him. It, it shaped 
who David was. It created in him a very inner, personal worship of God that, that, that just, he just couldn't help but express. And if you read many of his psalms, you'll see this. Let me ask you a question. Has that ever happened to you? Those of you watching online, has that ever happened to you? Have you ever had that kind of an experience in worship? One that has changed you. One of my favorite things to do um, is to be out on one of our lakes here in Arizona at night. Love spending the night on the lakes. On a, on a dark night when there's no moon, the stars are just amazing. And I know that many of you know this. They're just amazing. Shooting stars happen all the time, and it's just in, incredible. And, um, you know, the, the, when, when I had that opportunity, the vastness of God's creation always brings me to a posture of, of worship every time. And every time I have that opportunity, I'm reminded of this verse in Psalms. And, and I ask myself this question, <laughs> who am I? You know, God, who am I? I God, I'm just, a, I'm just a speck in the vastness of your creation. And, and friends, when I'm, in that, when I'm in that place, I want to tell you, it just drives me to want to know more and to want to learn more. Um, uh, I guess it's been a, year, a little over a year ago Christmas, not this past Christmas, the year before Christmas. My wife bought me a telescope for Christmas. I had never had one before, and, and I, she heard me talk about seeing the stars at night on the lake a bunch, and so she bought me this telescope, and it's really cool. I don't know if you have a telescope, but it's really cool. You get a telescope, what's the first thing you do? You take it out, you look at the moon, right? Of course you do. I got this, and you, it's amazing the detail you can see of the moon. A little four-inch diameter telescope, you can see the craters. You can see all kinds of cool stuff on the moon. It's like, this is really cool. But you want more, right? It's like, I want to see that, that little white dot out there. And so I aim it on the little white dot, and it's a little white dot. <laughs> Can't pull it off with this equipment. Don't have a Hubble. But anyway, it, you realize it's just more out there. And um, not long after I had it, I... Um, I was out for a, a ride on bike about 4.30 in the morning, and I, I noticed as I'm riding that there's a, a star. I look up, there's a star in the sky that seemed to be brighter than all the other stars. So this thought hit me. I wonder if that's a planet. I don't know much about astronomy, so I, I wonder if that's a planet. So I got home, and I grabbed the telescope, and I, I trained it on that star, and sure enough, it was a planet. It was Jupiter, huge planet. And, you, and it was, I, was just, I was just in awe. I'm looking on it. I could see this, this planet and I could see these brown stripes around it and, and these, these Galilean moons that, that circle it. And I was like, Sherry, get up. You got to see this. And, and then so I, I wanted to know more. And so that day I did some research and I found out that not far from that star in the morning, you can also see another star. It's not as bright, but it's, it's, it's the planet Saturn. And so the next day I got out and I, I put it and I, I, t I was blown away. First time I saw Saturn in a telescope, I was like, I'm looking 750 million miles away, and there's the, there's the rings of Saturn, and I can see them. And I'm like, Sherry, get up again. you got to get out here. you got to see this. And it was, it's so cool. And, 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 and I saw a few other planets as well. But my point is that when I look what God has made, and look at how vast it is, folks, I, I realize and I know full well that I'm only seeing a small fraction of his creation, when I see that, it causes me to ask that question that David asked, who am I? What is mankind that you're mindful of him? So mindful, God, that you would sacrifice yourself for me. The God who made all of that says to us, I love you. Friends, when we truly notice God, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and with worship 
David goes on to talk about our role that we have. We have a role in all of this creation that he's talking about. In verse 5, he says this. He says, you have made them, us, you have made them a little lower than the angels and crowned them with glory and with honor. What's interesting here is that phrase, a little lower, is a very interesting phrase. And, and, and you know, I don't, I don't think any of us would disagree that if an angel appeared, we would feel a little bit lower, right? I mean, if, if, uh, if, if Michael or Gabriel, whichever, popped on this stage right now and, and popped the wings out and lit up, I think we'd all be like, whoa. We'd, we'd all feel a little lower. Even if you're watching it online, that's going to be impressive. You're going to feel a little lower than the angel, okay? I, I think we all get that. Um, but what I believe David is getting at here is that we are created a little lower for a little while. I, I believe what this phrase is really talking about is a period of, of time. And, um, you know, the writer of Hebrews uses this same language to kind of talk about this as well. In Hebrews chapter 2, where, where Paul's talking, or whoever the writer is, is talking about, about Jesus. Um, I'm going to read a few verses from Hebrews chapter 2, starting in verse 5, and it says this. It said, it is not to angels that he has subjected the world to come. Okay, they're, they're not the ones about which we're speaking. But there is a place where someone has testified, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? A son of man that you care for him. You made them a little lower than the angels. You crowned them with glory and honor and put everything under their feet. There's the, there's the quote from Psalm 8. Then he goes on to say, in putting everything under them, God left nothing that is not subject to them. Yet at present, we don't see everything subject to them. At present, we don't. But we do see Jesus, amen, who was made lower than the angels for a little while. Now, crowned with glory and honor because he suffered death so that by grace of God, we might taste death he might taste death for everyone. You see, the writer here makes a comparison between what David has said and what Christ has done. And even though David, I don't believe David understood everything that was coming in the future or how, how uh, God's grace would be poured out on mankind through the work of Jesus Christ, I believe David did realize that man was special and that we, you and I, that we are crowned and we'll be crowned with glory and honor. You see, David understood what had been written uh, in Genesis where God said, let us make man in our image. Friends, hear me on this. Our, our glory, our honor, uh, that crown, the fact that is, the, is the fact that we, not the angels, no offense, Gabriel, but we, not the animals, we, not the vastness of creation, but we, are made in the image of God. We are special, friends, and that should, that should drive us. That should motivate us to a posture of worship, of inner worship. It should cause our attention to be laser-focused on God. Because when we truly notice God, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and with worship. Well, David goes on to clarify in verse 6, Beginning in verse 6, what comes with this glory and this honor that he's talking about? He begins in verse 6, he says, you made them, us again, rulers over the works of your hands. You put everything under their feet, all the flocks, the herds, the animals of the wild, the birds of the sky, the fish of the sea, all that swim in the paths of the seas. 
David makes this declaration because I believe he understood what was, what was written in Genesis. You see, when God created man, it says in Genesis 1 and 28 that he blessed man. He blessed them. And he also said, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and what? Subdue it. What does that mean? Well, he explains it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, and every creature that crawls on the earth. David had this, song, or this, this message in Genesis in mind when he wrote this psalm. He understood that God gave us, his image bearers, the right to rule and to reign and have dominion over his creation. That's how it was meant to be. But there was a problem. That problem is called sin. And sin came in and caused all this chaos. And because of that, friends, frankly, God had to send his son Jesus. You see, the proof of our significance, the proof that we matter to God, is truly seen in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't know if you understand this or not. Some of you watching may not. Some of you here may not. I know many of you do. But I'm going to talk about it anyway because in order to redeem man, because of our sin problem, God became man. He, he, he took on himself a human body with, with human fingers and human toes and, and all the limitations that, that this, this, this earth suit that we wear comes with. In fact, in Romans 5, it tells us that he became sin on our behalf. <laughs> this one blows my mind. He became sin for us without sinning. I can't figure that one out. I don't need to. And it says he became, he became for a short time a little lower than the angels. You see, Christ coming to this earth is the proof of how much we mattered of God, of how significant we are of God, of how much God loves us, of how far God will go to redeem us. You know, I, I believe one of the most dramatic statements that can be made about our significance is simply this, Christ died for us. That statement says it all. He paid our debt. But understand, friends, that the foundation of our faith isn't about a cross. The foundation of our faith is about an empty tomb. Amen? Because Christ rose from the dead, and we await the day of his, of his return to enjoy eternity with him, and folks... The fact that Christ conquered death on our behalf is what separates Christianity from any other belief out there. That's how much you and I are loved. Well, David ends this psalm the same way he starts it. He puts the other piece of bread on the sandwich here and he says in verse 9, he says, Lord, our Lord, creator, God, and master, Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. Well, why does David do this? Well, in exegetical terms, it's called, what's, it's, it's called an inclusio. It's a, it's a fancy word for we come back full circle to where we started. Only while we made the circle, while we took the lap, while we completed the loop, we came back having, having noticed more information, having been made aware of some things that we may not have known when we started out. Things that we now learn about God that we can't now unknow. <clears throat> It's kind of like if, if, I were to, if I were to say to someone here, if I were to say, hey, you're an amazing person. And that's all I said. You might just look at me like, well, that's, that's nice of you to say, but I don't understand why you're saying that. But if I were to say, you're an amazing person. You are so good with people. You care about people. You're always spending time with people. You're always giving to people. You're an amazing person. 
Now when I say that the second time, you have a better understanding of what I mean by what I said there. What David is doing in this psalm is he's saying, God, I notice you. He's saying, God, I notice how great you are. He's saying, God, I notice how much you love mankind. God, I, I, no, I notice how, how much you've done for mankind and how you've made him special in your eyes. God, I know how great you are. And friends, when we truly notice God, we can't help but be struck with wonder and with worship. And because of this, friends, we need to learn how to have holy moments with God. We need to learn how to make this a priority in our lives. I'm not talking about coming to church. That's important. I'm talking about those, those take-off-your-shoes holy moments before God, those times where we come before God and, and we, 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 we quiet ourselves and we quiet our hearts and we quiet our requests, we quiet our desires, and we simply take notice of our amazing God and Savior. You see, I truly believe that God honors bold, intentional inner worship because bold, intentional inner worship honors God. I mentioned earlier um, that I didn't always understand this myself, and that is absolutely true. Uh, about 13 years ago or so, I was in a place in my life where this type of worship was kind of a foreign concept to me. I, hadn't, I, I wasn't prioritizing it. I was leading the church at the time. I was leading the staff. I had just left a, led a, a building project and, and relocation. I was leading strategy moving forward and trying to lead it home and found myself on the weekends trying to lead worship with, with a, a tank that wasn't filled up because I hadn't made it a priority to have those moments with God. And so I, I, I knew I needed to do something, and so I took a sabbatical. I took a couple of months to change the scenery, to spend extended time with God, to put together a plan that was sustainable, to spend extended time from God and have a new routine that included times of worship before him, of inner worship before him, those holy moments. And I want to tell you, it, 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 it filled the well back up, and it made a difference that, that still sustains me to this day. It changed my life. Folks, I said it before, I'll say it again. I truly believe God honors bold, intentional inner worship because bold, intentional inner worship honors God. All of us, all of us in this room, all of us watching online, whether you're here or not, all of us have a role to play in God's story. And hear me on this, we will never fully realize that role if we never fully notice we just won't. So I want to encourage each of you today. I want to challenge each of you today to prioritize some time beginning this week. Maybe it's only 15 minutes. Find 15 minutes. Find some time to prioritize to notice and worship and give value to and give worth to Yahweh. Quiet your heart. Quiet your mind. And notice him. It will change your life. When we truly notice God, friends, we cannot help but be struck with wonder and with worship. I'm going to ask each of you to stand with me. 
Um, if you would, if you're watching at home, I'm going to ask you to stand unless you're driving. Stay, stay seated. But in just a moment, uh, DeAndre is going to come out with the band, and we're going to, we're going to close in a, in a time of worship together. We're going to pray, and I'm just going to ask you to just go before God and just open up your hearts to what he wants to teach you this morning. Father God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this opportunity. Father, as we sang about earlier, Lord, you're, you're, you spoke and 100 billion galaxies came into existence. Father, we want to worship you because you deserve to be worshiped. Father, I pray that each of my brothers and sisters here can make that a priority in their lives, Lord, to determine what it is, Lord, that just brings them close to you and do that. And Lord, I know that you will work in each of their lives, Lord. Bless us.